This is Joy. And this is Claire. And this is Joy and Claire. A weekly podcast talk show about the things that bring us together. Make us happy. Make us whole. Make us human. Hey guys, this is Joy. And this is Claire. And this is Joy and Claire. It's spooky Halloween. (laughs) I feel like every podcast is saying that right now. You've literally been saying that for like a month. I know. Not only is every podcast saying that, but you've been saying it since like Labor Day. (laughs) I got my Halloween costume. (laughs) What are you going to be? I'm going to be a werewolf. (gasps) Spooky, scary. You know what? I was like thinking of that stupid song that I'm not even going to sing because it will get stuck in our head. But that one's way better. But I was thinking of a different Halloween werewolf song that I'm sure everybody has heard and it's so annoying. Not werewolf bar mitzvah. Werewolf bar (laughs) mitzvah. I totally forgot about werewolf bar mitzvah. If if nobody knows what that is or anybody doesn't know, just please Google it. Because you really need to understand. It's from 30 Rock. It's it's really good. Now I can't stop laughing thinking about wolves. Oh my god. (laughs) Okay. We just started off. I can't get my crap together because now I'm just thinking of Tracy Morgan singing Werewolf Farmits. So yeah, I you know, I'm I'm going with a onesie. I was like, I just want to make it easy. Onesies are great. But my neighborhood is so cute and they're having a pumpkin carving contest for Pablo the pig. So we have like a neighborhood oh pig. Gosh. Pablo, he's like yeah. a neighborhood celebrity. He really is. And it's really cute. So our neighbors are like two doors down and they developed the front yard into like almost like a petting zoo. Maybe I've talked about this before, but it's like where the whole neighborhood could just walk by and say hi to Pablo. So they made the fence to where it, he can put his head out and then the neighbors can pet the pig and you can feed him if you want to. He likes vegetables. I give him carrots and stuff. And they have a little camera, you know, just in case someone gets mean and wants to try to steal Pablo. They have like a security camera so they can see like who's coming to visit him. But it was so sweet. We got an invitation for Pablo's pumpkin carving party. So they want you to, they have all these pumpkins out next to his pen and they want you to take a pumpkin, carve it, and then bring it back and they're going to judge it. And then on Halloween, Pablo's going to pick his favorite. By eating it? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Isn't that oh, I want to pick favorites forever. Which one do I decide to eat first? Is that like the the greatest thing? I love ever? that. He's gonna yeah. pick. At, he's gonna choose his favorite by which one he eats first. Exactly. And I'm like, okay, so I'm not a great pumpkin carver, but I was gonna think about just getting one of those kits that you could. Okay, just kinda... but I feel like there's some strategy here to get the pig to pick yours first. That's true. You just cut a hole in it and make it like where you can stick his whole snout yeah. in there. Or like, do you leave some of the guts in there so that he can like to pick? Like you know the ones that where it looks like the pig is like barf or the pig, totally the pumpkin's like the, barfing. Yeah, that's or it's, like a actually... zombie. Or what if you just like filled it with fondue or something like <gasps> you just <laughs> just show up with a bowl full it's like, like a, a bread bowl, but it's a pumpkin full of che- of like cheese fondue oh and be like, they actually would. The guys would love that. They would love that. But anyway, well, you got you heard it. We don't want to get Pablo sick, but that is just the cutest thing ever. And so I was like, well, I got to if I'm going to go to this pumpkin carving thing, I can't just show up without a costume. That's so dumb. So I was looking online for a onesie and the werewolf called to me. So that's what we're going with this year. I spent like 20 minutes 
more than 20 minutes, let's be honest, online this morning. I'm pretty sure I found the last kids size Jedi robe on the internet. And I'm kicking myself because we went to the like party city, whatever thing last week, and they had a Jedi robe. And I was like, Miles, you don't want the Jedi robe. Like you need the whole costume. And then we went home and I realized that his like white karate top, his gi, if we turn it inside out, it's a Jedi top. Genius. And then just like get in a little brown belt and then some brown pants. And so, so then I was mad that I didn't buy the Jedi robe because I was like, we need now, but we still need the robe. Then I went back and of course it was already gone because they only had one left and they're sold out and like everywhere in town is sold out. So I had to buy it online and it took me forever. Like Amazon, they don't even have one that is going to be delivered by Halloween. I had to order it from Party City online. I had to pay for shipping like a ch- like a chum. Yep. yep. And I'm like, I could not find one. I like looked on all of like the, I looked on Craigslist. I looked on all the marketplace groups. I looked on Poshmark. I looked everywhere for just a stupid kids. I even looked for like brown bathrobes and they were all like way too bathrobey. Like you could totally tell that it was a bathrobe. He's going to be that kid that's like, you're wearing a like, bathrobe. <laughs> and then I was like, he's, and like, he's not the type of kid who wear, who uses a bathrobe. So I'm like, why would I spend $30 on like a kid's brown bathrobe that he's not going to keep wearing instead of right. just spending $15 on this stupid costume? So, yeah. And then I was like, well, maybe Evie, we can put her in like a bear costume or a monkey costume and just throw an infinity scarf on her and then she'd be an Ewok. Oh my God. That's, that's really cute. But then yeah. turns out that monkey costumes and bear costumes are also really expensive. So she's just going to be Anna from Frozen because she already has an Anna dress. Great. And it's really cute. when she That is it. cute. Oh yeah. So Miles is really into Star Wars right now, which I feel like, okay, right. So I'm 33, almost 34. So I was born in 19, at the end of 1987. So I definitely missed the first wave of the Star Wars craze, right? The, the early Star Wars movies came out in like the, in like 1980, right? I think the first one came out. And, but I do have two older brothers who were born in 1977 and 1980. And so I caught it a little bit because they were into it, but I never really developed like a strong feeling for it. And then when like the, you know, the Jar Jar Binks era style movies came out, I was like, by that point, a little bit too old to like really get into it. So I pretty much just missed Star Wars. And not that I had never, I mean, I definitely have seen the movies, but I just don't like have a strong attachment to it. I don't like have an opinion about Star Wars. I'm like, yeah, Star Wars, they exist. So now that Miles is like super getting into it, what happened was he has his PE teacher is like super into Star Wars. All of his PE games are like Darth Vader themed. Yeah, you were. I think you were talking about this, which is adorable and so cute. So now he's super into Star Wars. We are like going through all of them. We've watched the. We're watching them in the order that they were released, not in the chronological order of like the story. Apparently, this is contentious about how you choose to watch them. I mean, there's a lot of contentious things about Star Wars. They could a lot of people. Yeah, it's a big deal. Anytime you have something like this where like people really like it's part of their identity, it's like there's a right and wrong way. So we decided to watch them in the order that they were released. So, you know, we started with the Luke Skywalker movies, then we went back into the Anakin movies, and now we're up to like the Kylo Ren movies. And um, it's a whole thing. So he's going to be a Jedi for Halloween. That's It's really, uh, I it's one of those things that I wish I could really get into because I super respect that dedication because... It's really a big deal. Like the Star Wars movies are, it spans our lifetimes, you know? So I always get really kind of weirdly jealous when I see like Comic-Con, like where people just get so into the characters. Like, did you ever get in, same thing with like Lord of the Rings. Like, did you get into any of those movies? I mean, I'm really into Harry Potter. Oh, well, that's true. That's true. I would call myself definitely one of like 
the top okay. Harry Potter fans that I know. That's true because you've listened to the books like a bazillion I times. I listen to the books a bazillion, but like I'm not, and like I definitely have dressed up as Harry Potter. Like when the the books were still coming out, I would go to the midnight book release and like stay up all night and read them. And they were a huge part of my younger adult life. Right. And then now, you know, with J.K. Rowling being transphobic, it's kind of caused this whole internal question of like. And I don't, you know, I I know a lot of people have had to deal with this over the last few years of having these very beloved books and this whole world, really, that was like really a part of my, you know, a big part of my life has, has been a big comfort to me in a lot of times in my life. Like when I found out I was pregnant with Miles and I had so much anxiety about it, I just would listen to the Harry Potter books to fall asleep. Like it's so soothing to my yeah. nerves. So I do grapple with that. I don't have an answer for it and I'm not going to go too far into it, but it's someplace something that I think about and that I worry about and that has definitely made me feel a little more distant from that world that I once really, really like found myself identifying as like a huge Harry Potter nerd. But yeah, it's hard to kind of tease that out because it's not like, you know, the creator, you definitely don't agree with what she said and what she's done. But at the time, obviously, you're connecting to this material, right? You're connecting to this. I did have. Right. Mm -hmm. You're connected to this material that means a lot to you. And it's like a fantasy world. But the creator then comes out and says some really horrible things. When you were talking about it, I'm like, oh, that's how I feel about Michael Jackson. And I think a lot of the world can relate to that is like we grew up on this icons music. And yeah, and and there's a lot of people since then that have come out where you're like, you've connected so much and you've revered their work and you've held them as this idol. And then when all this stuff comes out, you're like, you feel very conflicted on this very odd personal level where you're like, I have no personal connection to this person, but this music meant so much to me and now I can't look at it the same, but I can like, you try to separate it into two camps somehow. I don't know the answer. I'm just like talking through like what I went through when I heard about the whole thing with Michael Jackson and like watched leaving Neverland, which if you've not watched it on HBO, it is really difficult to get through. Do not recommend it. If you have kids or young kids, like watch it later in life. It's really hard to get through. Yeah. I think after that, I was just like, I I think I can appreciate the time, almost like the nostalgia of it, because back then I didn't know what I know now, which by the way, I think Adam Grant recently said, who talked about this? Who was it? It was an interview I listened to. I listened to so many interviews. It was on Dak Shepard. Oh, BJ Novak. He's, he's my new favorite person, by the way. He has such an interesting take on life, which, and he's very, very smart, but he was saying that nostalgia is looking back on memories without anxiety. And I was like, what an interesting way to think about nostalgia. Because when you look back, you look back on the memories. At the time, there were certainly anxious things that were going on in your life. But when we look back on like the good old days, he's like, I think sometimes we look back on on memories without the anxiety that like came with it. Like you've talked about that, like with college, where like you look back on college and have these like totally. memories, and you your brain just deletes the part where you were like living living on, on zero dollars, and, yeah, <laughs> and like just like and like so tired and finals and stu- yeah, had to study and work so and do all this right, falling asleep at my desk, crying because I was like working three jobs and everyone else was partying at nine at night, and I was like trying to sleep so I could get up and go to my next job. But yeah, but like I look back without all of that anxiety. I just really wanted to go into Oasis, don't look back in anger, but I won't. So that's what I was thinking about was like the memories without the bad stuff. But as an adult, we can't ignore the bad stuff. Okay, that was a really big tangent. But I really want to (laughs) say that (laughs) 
I admire people who can like get into like the Harry Potter or the Star Wars or the Lord of the Rings or whatever. What was that? Game of Thrones. I super appreciate how same thing with sports. I love how people like get into sports because I have I don't have that bone in my body. I'm not such a fan of a band that I will see them five nights in a row. I won't even really make a huge effort unless it's like, like Madonna, Beyonce, like really big names. I'll be like, oh, for sure. I'm going to see that person. Anyway, I just really admire and I wish I had that bone to be like, I have that bone in my body to be so obsessed with a band that I'd see them and stand in line five hours to get a ticket and get so excited about it. I know. I think about that. I feel like nerd culture is so looked down on when you're younger, like when you're in high school or when you're even in college and you think like, look at these nerds. <laughs> and now as an adult, you're like, man, I wish I had something I was that into. That God, looks like it's just I look so at like great. people who get so into like dressing up as characters or like drag, like things where you are. And it's like, this is an art form. Like when you are dressing up in, in a costume, that's so like for a Comic-Con or something that's like so detailed and like you have put so much passion into it. I agree with you. It's just like, I don't, I, I, I know there's a time in my life. Yeah. There's a time in my life where I was like, that's so dorky. And now I'm like, oh, that looks like so much fun. No, I just admire it so much. Yeah. I, and I think I was at Sephora this weekend getting some things <laughs> and I walked in and this, <laughs> this gal, <laughs> this gal had the gal at the door that was greeting had the most beautiful eye makeup. I just kind of miss those days where I would I would do that. I would spend hours just like doing my eye makeup. And I was just like, you look really pretty. And that must have taken you a long time to do. <laughs> oh, I wish you could. I was on mute. But when Joy was, did that, I was like, <laughs> going to Sephora, I laughed very hard. <laughs> this has been Joy's dream through the whole pandemic is just to be able to go to Sephora to her heart's content. Well, you guys, now you can test the products. I've never been happier. I've never been all you wanted. That's all you to wanted. To have this whole time. a hand full of just colors, just eyeshadows, and eyeshadows, and, and products. I know. Yeah. So I needed to do a new product list because there's definitely some things I want to try. What are some? Yeah. What are some products? Wait, hold on. Before we move on from being nerds, I want to mention briefly that Harry Potter and the Sacred Text, which is the podcast by Casper Tercryl, who is the author of The Power of Ritual, which who we had we had him on around this time last year. If you haven't listened to that episode, it's truly one of the best episodes we've ever done. It's such an interesting and amazing book. I highly, highly recommend it. But he does the podcast, or he was doing the podcast, Harry Potter and the Sacred Text. Um, they have a lot of statements on their website about sort of grappling with this like Harry Potter how can you still love Harry Potter without endorsing JK Rowling being transphobic? So um, if you are someone who has, is also has been having those questions in your mind, I would definitely recommend checking those out. So tell us about some products that are new that you're excited about. Well, I posted about them, but if you've missed it on stories, cause turns out Instagram doesn't always share what we post. Is that a thing? <laughs> I'm totally kidding. That just happens a lot. <laughs> um, I posted a couple products and I'll share them really quick. One of them is Dr. Dennis Gross Skincare. It's called the Mini Alpha Beta Extra Strength Daily Peel. And it sounds really intense, but it's not. And I'll link all of these in the show notes. I like to go to Sephora and I like to talk to the employees and say, what are your favorite products right now? That is literally how I get most of my recommendations. <laughs> I just go to the gals because I'm like, they live and breathe these products. They're around them all the time. And so when I was in Arizona, I went to the skincare section and the gal that was just kind of hanging out. And of course, like right now, it's not like super busy all the time. So she looked kind of bored. And I'm like, what is your favorite product right now? And she goes, oh, let me show you. I love these so much. They're inexpensive and it's a great product to try. 
And so the box, I think, is five treatments. So it's a set of two wipes that you do at a time. So five treatments of two wipes. So a total of 10. Like these just literally these wipes that you put on your, that you wipe all over your clean skin. And it's supposed to kind of strip any dead surface skin off your face. It says it's an extra strength daily peel, but you don't, like nothing peels off your skin. It just feels super soft after you do this. So you just rub it in. And I think I did, yeah, I did a reels on this product as, as well. So if you go to our Instagram and you just scroll through our reels, you'll see me using this great little product. So it's again, Dr. Dennis Gross Skincare Mini Alpha Beta Extra Strength Daily Peel. And I got I get the extra strength and I've done it a couple nights in a row and I have no irritation and I have pretty sensitive skin. So Try it out. There's also like a regular formula, not an extra strength, but I think the only one that comes in this pack of five is the extra strength. Don't quote me on that, but they sell them in larger packets, but quite frankly, I'm not really ready to make a commitment and spend that much money on like a pack of 80. So I just buy five at a time here and there. And then the other product that I really love is called is from The Ordinary. It's an exfoliating peeling solution. So I'll post that as well. And it's only $7. And by the way, the other one that's a pack of five, the Dr. Dennis is $17. So these are pretty inexpensive. And then The Ordinary Exfoliating Peeling Solution looks like blood <laughs> in a bottle. It looks really red. But I promise it's not as scary when you put it on your face. Just uh, don't scare your neighbors for Halloween or or do put it all over your face and use it as blood for Halloween. And then you're actually just exfoliating at the same time. So that's, again, the ordinary exfoliating peeling solution. It just looks like it's like a tiny little bottle of red fluid and like a dropper. You just put it all over your face for 10 minutes, wash, wash it off with like lukewarm water and your face feels really smooth. So those are my two top two right now that I would recommend. Okay. I have actually started also using some like real life skincare products and I'm trying to find the brand that my face oil is. I bought it when I got a facial, a couple, they like upsold me for my facial and I'm at, well, like, I feel like a lot of times you use that, like they upsell you during your facial and then you never end up actually using the product that you buy. Right. The first thing that I've been using is just like an exfoliating, like a charcoal exfoliating facial cleanser. I don't know. I got it at Whole Foods. But then I've been using this toner from Aesop, A-E-S-O-P. It's like parsley seed toner and it's really nice. It's I have like pretty dry skin and it's, I feel like most toners can kind of like suck the moisture out of your skin. And this is actually just a very calming, nice toner. And then I have this facial oil that I'm absolutely loving. And I'm going to have to post about it on Instagram because I cannot remember the dang stupid product. I can also talk about um, Olive in June and my, because I've been posting a lot about this. So Olive in June is another one. I forgot to mention this as well, because I've been, I like nail polish. I like doing my nails. I don't do them all the time, but I feel like, especially because I've been so big on ordering Olive in June. I'm like, I'm going to do my nails all the time now because I have like five bottles of nail polish. So it kind of forces me to do them. And last year I ordered during the pandemic, I was just like, I'm going to try Dazzle Dry. So I will tell you really quick about how that compares. Dazzle Dry, if you don't know about Dazzle Dry, they kind of, you know, sell it like it lasts two weeks or maybe it's 10 days, lasts a long time. And the polish dries really fast and it's like a multi-step system, yada, yada. By the way, none of these products that I'm mentioning are paid. I'm not getting any money. There's like nothing. If only. I know, if only. But just so you know, it's like an honest review. So Dazzle Dry, I like, but it's a little hefty on the price. I'm not a fan of like tons of steps (laughs) and like the fact that you would have to buy all of their products again to get like the same results. So that's kind of something that I don't love. 
But I will say I got two colors in the whole kit. And I think it was, I don't know, whatever the kit was, I think it was maybe around 90 bucks, which is a little steep for nail polish. But it's lasted me well over a year, year and a half. It'll probably last me another year uh, before the polish starts to kind of go bad. But the thing that I really like is it does give you drops to kind of thin out the nail polish to keep it lasting longer. And I think you can get a lot out of it. So for your money, I think it's worth it. But if you're comparing it to Olive and June, Olive and June is much more affordable. I believe right now you can get discounts. They have discounts, discount codes all over the internet because they're really selling this stuff. And I think it ends up being around maybe 70 bucks for their whole kit and five nail polishes, which is, I think, a really good deal. And I think with their polish, you can get by with using other products, meaning you could probably use a different top coat and be fine. You're not having to use like a special base coat or anything like that, which Dazzle Dry, you do have to use that like their specific products to get like the results that you want. I really like the Olive and June polish. Uh, it does last as long as they say it lasts. And I like the poppy. So it comes like the, with this little handle that you pop on the top of the nail polish that kind of extends your grip. So you're not having to do as close to the nail, which your hands can get a little shaky and then your polish kind of messes up. So didn't think I'd like the poppy as much as I did. I really like the poppy. It does have your make your hand a little bit steadier, but all the tools are really good. Like the nail file, they give you nail clippers. They give you like one of those little brushes to clean up any messes. And it comes with like a little nail polish remover pot where you stick your finger in and just move it around and it takes off your nail polish. And then the top coat is great as well. The dry drops I bought separately and those are okay. I like the Sesh Vite a lot better. That's still kind of like my gold standard for the top coat that dries really fast. You can get it on Amazon. You can get it at Target. I'll post it as well. It's S-E-C-H-E-V-I-T-E is the name. And shout out to Jess Gubbs, who one time I was like, it's Seche Vite. I don't know how to pronounce it. You know, she's like, you just say it Seche Vite. And I was like, thank you. Je- thank you, Jess. Thank you. Um, so <laughs> yeah, that would be my quick review of Olive and June. Everyone's like, how's it compared to Dazzle Dry? Honestly, I just feel like you get more for your money for Olive and June. The one thing I would say is Dazzle Dry does dry super fast. So if you're someone who's like, I have zero time to wait, then I would get the Dazzle Dry because you could probably build a house after you paint your nails with that stuff. Olive and June, the dry drops take a little bit longer. I had to like do my nails and then kind of just be chill for a while. Like I watch TV afterwards and not really do much with your hands. Like you can still do stuff, but you just have to be a little more careful, which I don't love. Um, But that's my quick and dirty review. Okay. I found my face oil. It's expensive guys. It's called facial recovery oil from Eminence. Um, It's a tea tree oil and it like comes in a little glass bottle. It's this little yellow, yellow oil with a little or um, green E with a little accent over the top. I really like it though. It's like, I, it's $75. So it's expensive, but like you use literally one drop a day. So it's lasts a really long time. I've been really liking, I posted about this a couple months ago and I'm still really liking it. Um, Sweet 11 is the name of the brand for nail polish. It's um, a black owned brand and it also, they're vegan, PETA certified, and um, they don't have like a lot of the toxic chemicals that other nail polishes have. Like they don't have formaldehyde, parabens, DBP, that type, that type of stuff. So if you really want like a super, if, and, and I don't feel like it takes all that much longer to dry. In fact, it's like very much on par with a normal, just normal 
nail polish. Like I can still paint my nails while the kids are in the bath, you know, have them sit there in the bath for 10 minutes and then take them out and dry them off. And my nails aren't like chipping or like, you know, the towel fuzz. Yeah. Yeah. They're not making indentations. Yeah. Yeah. And they have some really cute colors. So I would definitely recommend them as well. Yeah. I've seen their Instagram and I really like their colors too. Let me put a plug in too, because I know I've mentioned it before is um, I love, I still love new wash. I'm still using it all the time. (laughs) I think a lot of people, uh, I was talking, I went to get my hair done today and my hairdresser and I were talking about it because she loves the stuff as well. She's like, I'm so glad you're using it. Your hair looks so much better. She's like, how long did it really take for you to notice a difference? I'm like, probably two to three weeks. And you really have to read the directions. I'm like, I feel like people who didn't like it didn't follow the directions because I'm, it's like, it's hard for me to get like how the only thing that's weird is you have to get used to washing your hair with what feels like conditioner. You don't get suds. It literally feels like you're washing your hair with conditioner. So that's the only kind of weird thing to get around. But they did give us a discount code. It's joy if you want to use it. And that is for new wash. Okay. This weekend, Brandon went out of town. He went back to Wisconsin to visit his family. And, you know, we just haven't in the before times, we would go out there as a family, maybe two or three times a year. And then they would also come out here another, maybe one to two times a year. So we were seeing them every, you know, maybe every two or three months. And then since the pandemic, we've only seen his mom two or three times total in the last two years. And his dad only like once or twice. So he's been trying to get out there more. And um, so he went back there just himself this time. And so he's been gone since Friday and it's now Monday evening. And like, I got to be honest, it's been kind of (laughs) nice. I'm realizing like, because I work from home, even though Brandon works out of the house, because I work from home and I used to travel a lot, you know, been the before times I traveled quite a lot for my job. It's been nice to just have some time in the house by myself. And even over the weekend, you know, when I was like with the kids, my mom was really close by. And so she's able to just sort of like pop over and take the, you know, she watched the kids. I mean, Evie was was taking a nap and Miles was watching a movie, but like, so I could just take the dog for a walk because that was the hardest part is that I can't leave the house, um, you know, without them. So it's been nice to kind of have some space. He goes back tonight and I'm like, are you sure you don't just want to like stay down yeah, here too? Yeah, just stay. Just enjoy Fine. yourself. Just yeah. enjoy yourself. And like, this is, it's a beautiful time of year to be in Wisconsin. October, September and October are so gorgeous in Wisconsin. And it's always like a very nostalgic time for Brandon because he ran cross country in high school. And so a lot of his like really, really fun memories from high school are this time of year. And I feel like all of us get that nostalgia this time mm-hmm. of year to like totally school and, you know, football games, that type totally. of thing. But so we, you and I were talking about, you know, we've talked a little bit about how you and Scott, like Scott used to travel, what, like 200 plus days a year for work. Mm-hmm. He used to travel a lot, a and lot, a lot. For years and for your whole marriage. Our actually. whole marriage. And even when we were dating, I mean, it's like all I ever knew was him being gone all the time. And then the last two years, <laughs> not so much. So how have you guys been handling that? Pretty good. I think I always laugh when my voice goes up because I'm like, am I lying? I'm great. The No, really, we're doing pretty well. I think the first year put your voice like this uh, 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 no i know i don't know how to talk um (laughs) sound act natural so i think the first year was we were i think we were all just adjusting to life but i remember after the first year scott just started really struggling because he was like i am going insane and and that's when i was working my job and i was not i was nothing had changed for me so the whole first year or so my life was exactly the same, going to work, leaving the house, etc. So I think for him, it was really difficult because he just felt like I'd never leave the house. I'm going stir crazy. And I think for us, I 
you know, I don't mean to piss people off, but I feel like our mar- our marriage got better because we overcame this pandemic together. And I think that that's something that people, uh, at least I, you know, the statistics you read is like, it either makes you break up or bring you closer together or, you know, somewhere in the middle, I guess. But I think that there was a lot of articles that came out around people. A lot of people got divorced or a lot of people broke up during the pandemic. And I just feel really grateful that we ended up getting closer and it actually made me realize like, oh, I, I'm really glad I'm like in a pandemic with you. If I had to be <laughs> with somebody, it's like, he's the perfect person because he's a fixer and he likes to make sure things are taken care of. And he's, you know, I think that that was really important. But when I left my job and started working from home, that became a new dance of trying to figure out how to respect his space because I was home all the time. So that was like, oh, I need to make sure I was like, uber aware that I was never making any noise during the day, really being respectful of being quiet. And he's on the other side of the house, and my office is on the other side of the house. So we're really far away. But what I realized is like, he would come in and just like, come in and bother me whenever. I'd be like in the middle of something or writing a job off application, and I can just like hear his footsteps coming. And I'd be like, oh my god. And I would just be like, what do you want? Because <laughs> so whenever he had a break, he'd be like, oh, I got to ask Joy something. And so he'd come over and I'd, it was just really funny because for a while I was like, oh, dear God, like I would just want to shut the door and hide in the bathroom. Like I don't really have hide in the bathroom bathroom moments anymore because I don't really need to transition from, you know, work life to home life. There were a couple, there've been a couple times where I'm like really trying to figure out like how to respect his space and be quiet and like not make noise and with the dogs and if he's on a call and whatever, whatever, but we're figuring it out. I think, I think we've done well. I think we've done well and I think we'll continue to do well because he's going to keep working from home. I'm going to keep working. I'm going to start working from home. I mean, I have for the past whatever, five months, but with my new job, it'll be remote for the foreseeable future. It's been interesting with Brandon being gone because I'm like, oh man, it is so nice to have a little bit of space sometimes. And I think that it's unrealistic to think that like just because you love someone and are married to them means that you want to be around them 24-7. <laughs> I, you know, I think there's people out there. I'm not one of them. Totally. I am not one of them. <laughs> and we're being like... Oh my gosh, I ma- did I marry the wrong person because I don't want to be in their presence every waking moment of my life? I don't think so. I don't think no. that that means you marry the wrong person. I think no. that that just means that you're, like, you're just one of those people that like that likes your space. Us, I would say I mean I would say it's it's like it would be the exception to the rule to be like, yes, I want to be by their side every yeah. waking moment. Yeah. I mean, I more power to you. I think you are probably one of the better humans in life because I don't know, I just don't know how to do that. But I remember seeing an article. This was probably shortly after Scott and I got married. And it was an Oprah. Thank you, Oprah. And it was all about different types of relationships. And I'll never forget it because it was really important to me at the time. I was really struggling with kind of settling into being married. I didn't know what that meant. I was still kind of just transitioning from this, like, I I don't know. I had a hard time, like, changing my name, all the things that kind of come with getting married, or at least for me, I should say. And I remember reading this article that was talking about all these different relationships, and one couple lived in different houses. And I remember thinking like, that is okay. And whatever defines your relationship and makes it work for you, that is okay. And that just made me be like, all right, I'm not going to worry about this. I'm going to just make our relationship whatever it needs to be. I think that that the other thing about COVID, and I think that this has played out in a million different ways, but a big one is that we have really been had so much more time and and 
energy for better or worse to like see what other people's lives are like. Like we've, the door has really been opened to everyone's personal lives. And I think in some ways that's been great. Like, you know, I'm really grateful that I don't have to feel like I can't, you know, I, like I definitely have been in professional situations before where I felt like I couldn't talk about having kids, you know, I couldn't talk about my kids or couldn't talk about the fact that I was a, a young mom or, you know, that that would make me being see dif- be seen differently. I don't feel that way anymore. Like I don't worry about that anymore. So I think there are some things like that where, you know, it's a really positive change and I hope we don't ever go back to feeling like we have to have that separation between talking about not, you know, not being comfortable talking about our family at work. And I also think it's like, opened us up to seeing other people's personal lives in a way that like we weren't really ever meant to know this much personal stuff around us. And it's so much easier to compare and worry like, oh my gosh, if they're having like this candle at dinner every Tuesday night, like if I'm not doing that, does that mean there's something wrong with me? Like, and I think that in general, social media, and we talked about this a couple weeks ago, like is just so, like, we were never meant to have this much exposure to everyone around us and no their way. personal lives and their opinions and their deeply held beliefs. Like we were never meant to know these things about so many other people. And it's really, we like our brains don't know what to do with it. Yeah. So on a totally random observation, you know, my parents live in Westcliff. And there's a very big Mennonite community there. And nothing makes me feel more like I need to get perspective than when I, when we're like driving down the road and we just see a horse and carriage and they're like going to their church where I'm like, that's just so, there's something very like, I don't know, I respect so much around just keeping all that information of other people's lives away. And I know there's more to it. I'm not, I'm trying, I want to be respectful because I'm not simplifying it whatsoever, but just like that is whenever we see that, I'm just like reminded of how much information in society has just coming at us at all times of other people's lives. Totally. Let's take a break. Let's take a break and talk about our amazing sponsors, Ned, the makers of the CBD that we love and we know and trust, Ned, Ned, Ned. I talked last time about the sleep blend. I still am using this. And this is something that I truly, truly can honestly say helps me sleep at night. You just put a dropper under your tongue 30 minutes before bed and I sleep like a baby. And remember when I said I had host hotel sleep? I still have hotel sleep with the sleep blend. So I highly recommend that new product. And I've been really loving their stress blend. I feel like with Miles being in school, being back in kindergarten. And there's just, I feel like I'm juggling a thousand bajillion things a day. And I take the stress blend kind of towards the end of the day, like maybe when I'm making dinner, because I, the evenings for me, like dinner time and bath time and bedtime are when I have the least amount to give, but have to do the most. Like I'm tired, but I, anyone with young kids, you know that like the, the slip and slide to bedtime is the most stressful part of the day. And even though you've like, by the time it's time to clean up dinner, you've already lived most of your day. Like the hardest part is still in front of you. So I'm taking the stress blend, maybe like while I'm making dinner to try to get out in front of that. And it's definitely helping me just feel more balanced. It's not taking away the stress by any means, but it's giving me a little bit more to be able to handle it, to handle it and be able to kind of take a step back and take a deep breath and creating a little more space around those stressful situations. So we love Ned. We love their products. The people who founded the company are really great, very trustworthy. They grow all of their hemp here in Colorado. And if you 
don't know about CBD, you can head to their website. They have a lot of information on their website that explains exactly what CBD is, what it does, what part of the hemp plant it comes from, why it does not get you high, and why if you are regularly drug tested, what you can expect about CBD. They have a lot of great educational resources about that on their website. If you want to try the new de-stress blend from Ned, a brand that we love and trust, we have a special offer for our podcast. Every order over $40 qualifies for 15% off plus a free de-stress blend sample. Go to www.helloned.com forward slash joy or enter joy at checkout to take advantage of this offer. That's helloned, H-E-L-L-O-N-E-D.com slash joy to get 15% off plus a free de-stress blend sample on any order over $40. Thank you, Ned, for sponsoring our program and offering our listeners a natural remedy for some of life's most common health issues. And thank you to our listeners for supporting the brands that support our podcast. All right. Can I talk about an amazing opportunity that might come my way? Okay. <laughs> I'm just nodding. I'm like, yeah, that sounds great. Talk about it. Um, so I have been on a bone marrow transplant or a bone marrow registry for about five years. I cannot remember where I registered. I probably saw, I'm thinking it might have been Jason Kalipa's daughter when he was posting about her going through her treatments. I feel like we did it at the same time. Really? Like, I feel like it might have been like at Girl at Girls Gone RX or something. They had a tent there. But- oh, that's a good point. So I, so I, and I knew it was like somewhere where there was a tent and. Or like there was a whole summer where they had them set up at Red Rocks. That's true. So I registered somewhere and I remember posting about it. I actually went back in our memories and I saw the post. It was in 2017. You basically just do like a cheek swab. You submit your sample it's very easy to do. I set it, sent my kit in and they keep you registered, blah, blah, blah. So I get an email pretty infrequently, but sometimes you'll get emails from Be The Match. And it's basically like, hey, this is what we're doing. Here's some updates. So I don't really always read them fully, but I just stay on their mailing list just to kind of stay up to date with what they're doing. Last week, I get an email that's like, hey, hey, girl. No, it just said urgent, please respond or something like that. And I didn't really pay attention to it right away because I saw it was I saw that it was from Be the Match and I somehow just kind of like glossed over it even though it said urgent please read like an idiot I just was like you know didn't read didn't read the email and so the next day I was going through my emails again and I read it and it's like you could be we have identified a patient that matches to you please respond immediately you know this is a really urgent matter. And so I called them and it turns out I am a match for a 35-year-old female with leukemia. They won't, uh, obviously due to privacy reasons, they won't tell you where the patient is and any more information about it. But I went through a full hour phone call with a Be The Match be the match representative going over my health history. And really, they're, they're just trying to rule out if you're an appropriate candidate. Any major health issues that can kind of kick you out of the system right away, they just want to take care of in that phone call. So I spent an hour on the phone with them, and it turns out I'm good to go for the next step, which is a blood test. So as of this recording, I'll be going tomorrow to the uh, to get a blood test or just like a blood draw where they're going to make sure that I'm, I guess I don't have anything that's concerning to them that would be either a risk to myself or the patient to do this bone marrow tra- bone marrow transplant. And then the next steps are like, you know, there's a lot of things that kind of have to fall into place, but potentially I could save someone's life. And that just feels really exciting. And so when I got the call, it's kind of, I got nervous, but I'm like, 
the person, the representative on the phone, who was just lovely, she's like, how do you feel? Which I love that they asked that. But she's like, you know, how are you feeling about this call? And I'm like, I am pretty excited. This is, I feel a lot of emotions, but it's, you know, you go on these registries and you don't ever expect to be called. She's like, yeah, if you think about it, if you have a thousand friends on Facebook, really only two people will get called. It's a pretty rare thing to be called to be a bone marrow donor. It feels exciting that you get this opportunity to potentially help someone's life. And I'm just really jazzed about it. So it obviously there's a lot of steps that have to happen. I would have to go through a lot of physicals, the patient's medical team would have to determine that the bone marrow transplant would be the safest option. There's a lot of things that have to fall into place, but if all goes that direction, then I would go to a bone marrow transplant center. It might be out of state. They don't know yet. Uh, And I would sit there for a day and do the transplant. Now, a lot of people think that it's how you used to do it would be, and, and they still do this method, but apparently it's less common to do it from the hip bone where they used to, where they used to do it from that like hip area. But now they do it intravenously, I guess, you know, they take it from your arm and then they, so you have like two needles on either arm and they just, you sit there all day because obviously you can't take that much bone marrow in a short period of time. So they do it very slowly and you sit in a chair for eight hours and then they get your bone marrow and then you go on your merry way. So it sounds, I was uh, added to a Facebook group for donors, which is really cool because all these people that are in there, it's a very cool group of people (laughs) who are in tons of different stages of this process. Some people are just like me where they just got the call and then they're going to go get the blood draw and some people are like, I just donated. Here's a picture. The It was a kind of a difficult process. They couldn't find the right vein, but I'm so glad I did it and I would do it again. And to people kind of grieving the loss of their patient and saying, you know, I've been in touch with my patient for years and I just found out they passed away and like the emotions that come with that. So it just feels, it feels a little bit conflicting to talk about it because you're like, well, I don't really, you know, you do this not to get attention, but I think what I'm more talking about it is for people to get on the registry because it's such a, I don't want to say easy because I haven't done it yet, but if I do get to that point and regardless, if I don't get to that point, get on the registry because I think a lot of people think that, that, oh, it's so painful to donate bone marrow. But from all the posts that I've been seeing, if you do get on this registry and you're a match to someone, science has come a long way and it's not as painful and you could make a huge difference in someone's life. So it's be the match.org. And I believe you can just order a kit. I want to say from what I read on the website and I'm 44. So I donated, you know, when I was 39, 40 and, or I, yeah, I think I put my, not donated, I um, submitted my sample. Join, join yes. the registry. Join the registry. I think right now they're focusing on people ages 18 to 35. I wouldn't say don't go on the website if you're older than that, but I'm pretty sure I recently saw that they're really focused on that yeah, age it range. Yeah, says 18 to 40. Okay. So maybe if you're, um, all you have to do is go to be thematch.org right there on their website. The very first button is join the registry. It walks you through a couple of questions. Then it just sends you this little kit that comes with a Q-tip. You swab your cheek, you send it back. It's for completely free. And then yeah, chances are you'll never hear from them again. But you know, especially if you're somebody who has like a less common ancestry or, you know, you have like an interesting combination of ethnic heritage, like those are the types of matches that I think are a lot harder to find or when, and, and it, those are the things having those, um, similar like ancestral genetics can really help somebody find a match. So if you're somebody who, yeah, you maybe have like a more, like an, an interesting, mm-hmm. um, an interesting heritage, definitely 
sign up because I think that I remember that being something that they were talking a lot about a couple of years ago in the emails that I would get sent that were like, please help us find people to join our registry who are not only white people. And not to say that if you're listening to this and you're a white person, not to go join me because you never know. But I think that it really is like, you never know what the little thing is that could set you apart from everybody else and help you literally save someone's life with almost no work on your, on your behalf. Yeah. So thank you guys for checking that out. All right, let's finish off with some work advice. You guys submitted some really great advice. We talked a little bit last week, a lot last week about toxic work culture and works workplaces and kind of when to leave a job or when you're looking for a new job. And so we did a post this week uh, for advice on if you're looking for a job and you guys submitted some great advice. One that I really loved, and I think that this is just so critical, like in general in our lives, was somebody who was pretty much like, don't be afraid to toot your own horn. Like, so a couple of different people wrote a version of this, but somebody wrote, I often see other women who downgrade themselves when writing their resume and for the jobs they apply to. Get yourself a hype girlfriend to help boost the resume and apply to jobs you feel like you aren't quote quite qualified for. I love that. Like, I think that it is so true. You know, somebody else wrote, have confidence in yourself and saying you believe your qualities would benefit the company. Don't look at the list of qualifications and say only, oh, I only have nine of 10, so I shouldn't apply. You know, really like, don't be afraid to say I'm the best person for this job. I just think, you know, so many people kind of said something along those lines. And it's so true that especially as women, we really have been taught like, oh, don't, you know, don't brag about yourself. Like that's not polite or it's, you know, you don't want to like come across as being egotistic. Like, no, just you're stating facts about yourself. You're good at what you do. You have XYZ experience, like put it out there. Otherwise they're not going to find you. And the best way to do that is to like get some hype friends, get your girlfriends together and have them like really hype you up. And I've definitely helped some of my friends rewrite their resumes where I'm like, hey, talk about this. Like, I know that you did X, Y, Z thing. Like, talk about it. Say that you, you know, were in the running for this award, even if you didn't win it or, you know, whatever the case may be. And so I think that was the biggest, like, overarching piece of advice that people gave was like, don't be afraid to really put yourself out there. Don't be afraid to hype yourself up. Don't be afraid to talk yourself up and like actually really brag about yourself. I love this one that says, sometimes it's okay to do a job and volunteer in a way that lets you honor your values and passions more fully. Sometimes we can get stuck looking for work that pays well and aligns perfectly with our purpose and passions. That's cool, but not always realistic. It's possible to find things outside work that are deeply fulfilling. This arrangement is actually pretty great for holding boundaries and not overworking. I think that's a great advice. Uh, and I just want to comment about like where I go with this is sometimes I feel like that's when we get stuck in compares the comparison trap of looking at other people's lives where we're like, or the girl boss, follow your passion, <laughs> the MLM culture that kind of gets like, hey, girl, you can do everything you want. And you can live that dream life. And then that kind of goes back to you our conversation. You can have it all. You can have it all. Or the or the the conversation or the question we've had before where it's like, can you can you do your passion? Can your passion be your job? I don't think there's a one answer on that. But I it makes me think of that conversation. I feel like with our jobs, similar to the way that we maybe can expect our spouse to be every single role in our life. We also expect our job to fulfill every single thing that we want an activity, like a regular activity to fulfill. Like, yeah, if your job is not a subject matter that you're passionate about, go see if you can join a club or volunteer or take a class or something to like have that, have that other part of you fulfilled. 
There were some also some great, just very tactical pieces of advice. Always have two questions prepared for the interviewer, one that pertains to their journey with the company and one that speaks to the company's current initiatives. If you have somebody wrote in and said, I have a very hodgepodge, ahem, diverse work history and found even doing all the right things, the algorithms would re- reject me right away. So I found a job board for startups and many of the job listings allowed you to personally reach out to the hiring manager. I found I was able to get a lot more interviews through this list and finally landed a great job. And that's angel list. I actually looked on there too. It's a great website, Angel List. And I think that that is, like we talked about last week, it can be so demoralizing to just either never hear back ever, even though you've, after you've spent an hour plus or more tweaking your resume and then you just send it off into this black hole. And sometimes it feels like I might as well have just like printed this out and lit it on fire for the amount of good that it did. Like I definitely have felt that way where I'll send out, I remember I had a a job application process where not only did I have to fill out, like send in my resume and then still additionally fill in my job application, like my job history, which I hate. If I've given you my resume, don't make me also fill it out. And then I had to answer like five or six really long questions. Oh, that's the worst. That's the worst. And I never heard Oh, I hate that. I'm like, Like, I literally might as well have just blown this into a balloon and set it off into the sky. Exactly. It's like, I'm wasting so much time and I'm never going to hear from you. That drove me crazy too. I'm just going to put my resume in a bottle and throw it into the ocean and it would be- You're welcome for all this time I did for you that you're never going to respond with. Exactly. Someone said, be bold. There's nothing wrong with doing research, connecting with decision makers and saying, I'm uniquely qualified for this. It's only annoying if you're not qualified. If you are qualified and the right person for the position, you're doing them a favor. We talked about that a little bit, like when you were dealing with your offer process and, you know, you were trying to negotiate some different things that you wanted and you were like, I feel so scared. Like I just sent back my counter offer and here are the things, you know, like you were, even though it feels like you're not, they expect you to do that. You know, they expect you to put yourself out there in a job application process. They expect you to counter offer when you get your first initial job offer. Even though it feels like you're being problematic, you're actually playing by the rules. And if you right. don't do those things, then it's, I don't wouldn't go so far as to say it's a red flag, but like you're putting yourself at a disadvantage to the rest of the people who are doing those things because it's mm-hmm. all just part of playing the game. Yes. So speaking of which though, somebody did ask a really good question about your new job saying, you know, in this new kind of work from home world, a lot of new companies are popping up that are remote. And how can you tell if the company is legit? Speaking from my experience, I do a lot of research on Glassdoor. So if you're not on Glassdoor and you're job searching, get on Glassdoor. I'd say the main websites that I used when I was job hunting was Glassdoor, AngelList, and LinkedIn. LinkedIn and Glassdoor were probably the primary ones. But I did like looking at AngelList since that listener mentioned it. I want to throw that out there too. Glassdoor is great. Now, I know that there's always going to be negative reviews, and I know that there's people that are probably disgruntled. It's kind of like Yelp. You know, you want to kind of take it with a grain of salt. But I would go on there as a just doing research about the company and the benefits and to see what people were saying about working there. It, It was like extremely low. To me, I'm like, that's a little bit of a red flag because there's more companies. And I I kind of based it off of like my previous employer. So I went to my previous employer and I looked at what their reviews were. And I was like, yeah, that seems about right. (laughs) Because 
There's like people that didn't like it and they really wanted to say something about it. But then there's people that just love it. You know, so you're kind of like wanting to find the truth that's always in the middle. But I would want to go to this company's website and I would see what people were saying about working there. And then I actually went on LinkedIn and I found people who worked for the company and I asked them what it was like working there. Of course, it's kind of a cold call to say, hey, I'm applying to this position at this company. I see that you're working for them and have been or whatever. You just send a nice email and ask them what their experience is like, or just say, hey, would you mind jumping on a phone call? Some people felt more comfortable uh, talking on the phone rather than putting something in writing. I totally get it. When it's a stranger, they're like, uh, are you trying to bait me? Like what's going on? So I did a couple phone calls and I would reach out to people who are currently working at these places and asking them for candid feedback. And I thought that was really helpful because that actually made me more confident in the decision that I was, you know, when I was accepting this job offer, because everyone had rave reviews about it. So that's another thing that I would recommend. I think that's really good advice, because especially if if it's a brand new company, like a lot of times, you know, someone who works there. And so you can kind of get a sense of it. But especially if it's a newer company, I always like to ask questions too. And I'm interviewing about like, hey, if you are going through an acquisition, like what, what has changed? What do you think is still waiting to change? What change that you're not happy about. I think when you're in like this world where companies are, it feels like acquisitions happen every single day and new remote companies are starting a lot. It's so good to get that real feedback from the people who actually work there and are like in the bubble in the moment. In the moment. Yeah. All right, guys. Good talk. We had some great conversations this week. Sure did. As always. Um, Don't forget, check out Ned. Hello, Ned dot com forward slash joy or use code joy at checkout support the brands that support our podcast thank you guys so much for checking them out and for using their awesome products you can find us on instagram at joy and claire underscore we are on facebook which we don't really update all that much (laughs) except just sharing our instagram posts onto facebook but you can also find us online joyandclaire.com you can email us this is joyandclaire at gmail.com please feel free to always send us a note anything you want a question a comment a picture of your dog wearing a Halloween costume. Stay tuned because the time is coming. That is coming. That is absolutely. Like, that's like be pretty ready. much the only thing we use Facebook for is collecting pictures. Be ready pictures for that. Yep. Of your animals in Halloween costumes. <laughs> so get ready because if you are sitting there thinking no one cares if my dog wears a costume, lies. We care. Joy we care. cares. I look forward to it every time I do that post. I sit on my couch and I scroll and and I smile and I talk to your animals through the phone. And I wish that you guys could like be a fly on the wall for joy that entire day because it truly brings her so much joy. It does. It makes me (laughs) so happy. So happy. So thank you in advance. Yeah. And don't forget, we have two other podcasts. You can check out Girls Gone Wad, um, available wherever you get your podcasts. And you can also check out On Your Marks Gets at Bake, which is our super fun podcast that follows the Great British Baking Show. This week, I made some sticky toffee puddings from the technical from Dessert Week, and they turned out great and were delicious. Which so I come hear me talk about them. Love that group of words. And I'll say it again and again. Sticky toffee sticky pudding. pudding. <laughs> sticky toffee pudding. There needs to be like a rap song or a song made about that. Well, is that going to be like your rapper name? <laughs> Sticky Toffee Pudding. Yeah, <laughs> it is actually. It'd be a good name for a band. Okay, well, before we get too far down that rabbit hole, we will talk to you guys next week. <laughs> Love you guys. Bye.